Real Fun DC. Hospitality and a little bit of sass are always on the menu. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hey everybody and welcome to Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis, the show that takes you on a deep dive into the happenings of the hospitality industry. Now sometimes there's a focus on culture and sometimes there's a focus on travel trends um, and sometimes there's a focus on passion projects, but it all comes back to the industry. So maybe you've noticed that I've been completely doing summer hours, um, especially the last few weeks and actually the next couple of weeks. Um, and I don't mind telling you that I really love it. Um, if you've been following me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, um, actually, if you're not, I don't know why you're not, it's at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, um, then you know I've been traveling a bit, I've been eating an awful lot, and uh, drinking just a, just a little, just a touch here and there with all that great food. Um, so let me take you on a quick tour of some of the fun things I've been doing. I took a trip out to Arizona to drop off Miss Tess. She is back at the University of Arizona, but you know I made my way to Barrio Breads and legit got one of everything. Um, that James Beard Award winner knows its way around artisanal flowers and tra traditional baking styles. Um, everything is yummy and Tess's freezer is full of great beds. It should last her the entire semester. From there, I popped over to La Jolla. I'd soaked up some of that California sun. I spent my days taking 10 mile hikes. Um, so sustenance was definitely needed. Uh, daily treks to Wayfair Bakery for their incredible corn scones. And they do an amazing croissant monkey bread. I have to figure out how to make that myself. Um, dinner in downtown San Diego at the incredible anime. And one of the things that I love about San Diego restaurants is they spend so much money on their design. The interior of the restaurants in San Diego are unlike a lot of other restaurants. They spend boku bucks on uh, their design and architecture. It's fascinating. I was back in town for a whole 24 hours before I went out to eat and uh, I met a friend and went to the newly reopened Vermilion restaurant in Alexandria with chef uh, Ben Farmer. He's back in the kitchen. Now Vermilion truly is a neighborhood restaurant and just because you don't live in Alexandria doesn't mean you shouldn't take a trip out there to check it out. I kind of always forget how charming Alexandria is. There are great shops and boutiques and it's such a fun area to kind of schmy around and just sort of see what's happening. And then of course now you know where to go for dinner or brunch because they just started doing brunch as well. Um, pro tip, get the potato pave, it's delicious. Um, I finally checked out Chad Spangler and Glendon Hartley's of service bar fame, their new Amazonia. It is delicious cuisine in Peru with obviously cocktails that are terrific, if you're into that thing. Um, this amazing tree plant life rooftop space. Um, I cannot wait to head downstairs to do um, the tasting menu at Casa. Pro tip, all the ceviches, they're all amazing. We did hold a pretty fabulous bridal shower luncheon at Fiola Mare. Um, I mean, if you need to host something special, um, nobody quite does it like Fabio Trabocchi and his team. Uh, the seafood tower is by far one of the best in the cities and it's ample, uh, especially for a party of six. Um, and they really make every dining experience feel like the special occasion it's meant to be. Now, I've talked a lot about May 64 um, down on 14th Street. 
Um, and it, there's a reason for it. It's because I keep going and it's because it's really, really good. And what's really interesting about it is that I really thought I didn't like Mexican food for the longest time. And now I understand that I just was eating really bad Mexican food. May 64, everything is fresh. Everything is beautiful. They have a grill top right out front where they're making fresh tortillas. If you haven't had an opportunity to check it out, I highly recommend and pro tip get the chicken because it's delish. Um, out yet again for um, a pretty bubbly celebration of the Grand Dame of Veuve Clicquot that was at APRO. Ellie Benchimol uh, partnered with Chef John Crin, you know him, uh, and the Veuve crew for a night of fine dining and bubbles from vintages that most people don't usually get to taste. Um, and I hate to brag, but I did, and it was really fun. <laughs> so uh, you should figure out how to do that. And actually, you could have done it because all over the list, areyouonit.com, was these events, uh, and you could have participated. Now, lastly, I want to tell you about the Embassy Chef Challenge. So you've seen on my social that I have been photographed and doing demos and videos with Embassy Chefs all around uh, the DC metro area. Um, it's been amazing. Last week I was with uh, the Barbados Embassy Chef and also the El Salvador Embassy Chef and we did demos together and interviews together and I'm learning so much and it's so exciting. So I cannot wait to see all the finished results and I do hope everybody will join me and all the Embassy Chefs from all around the DC metro area at the Embassy Chefs Challenge on October 13th. Whew. Okay, so that's what I've done the last two weeks. And uh, all of that is available on my social at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. And of course, before I go anywhere, I check out the list, areyouonit.com, because it tells me what to do and it should tell you what to do as well. Okay, on to today's show. The Beast is back and better than ever. No, not my husband, David. I know he's the beast on Foodie and the Beast, but this is a different beast. This is the Snallygaster Beast, Neighborhood Restaurant Group's flagship colossal beer fest. And this is not just any beer festival. It is an incredible curation of breweries and food vendors. Um, and joining me today is the beer guy, the beer aficionado, the connoisseur of beers, I don't know, I can't think of another name for him. Um, Greg Engert, you know him, he's been on the show 100,000 times and on Foodie and the Beast. Uh, but he's joining me today to talk about Snally Gaster. And with Greg has come John and Bonnie Branding, they're founders of Wheatland Spring Farm Brewery in Waterford, Virginia, and Dino Funari, founder of Vitamin C Brewery. So we're gonna talk all things Snally, but we're also gonna talk about the changing dynamic in the beer industry and what it takes these days to not only have a brewery, but to keep it running and going after a pandemic. I mean, we've seen several breweries shut down just recently. So there's a lot to talk about here. So I thank you all for joining me. Um, Greg, how are you? Uh, I'm great. Although I have to admit that I'm a little bit jealous after hearing that two week uh, whirlwind of restaurants that you've been uh, hitting up. <laughs> yeah. That was crazy. Um, wait, wait until my next show because I'm leaving tomorrow for Sardinia. So my eating is going to get even different and better. I mean, it's all good, but that's you know, amazing. Right. So let's talk you though. We, I can talk about me for hours. I just <laughs> let's talk you. 
Um, everything's great. You know, we are, uh, you know, still dealing with uh, the pandemic, but um, there's lots of positive signs on the horizon. Uh, at Neighborhood Restaurant Group, thank you so much for the kind words on Vermilion. We were really excited to get that reopened uh, just about a month ago. And Ben is doing a fantastic job there. Um, everybody's really loving having it back. But we're, as a group, are faced with this challenge of, you know, hosting a gigantic beer fest, like you mentioned, um, operating our existing businesses and continuing to reopen some of the businesses uh, that have been dormant since, you know, the pandemic happened, including Columbia Firehouse, uh, Partisan, and Birch and Barley. Church Key is open and doing very well, but we still have Birch and Barley to open. So uh, lots going on. Very exciting. Being busy is great. And uh, we're, we're really, I think, optimistic about fall 2022. Well, there's no reason not to be optimistic, right? Like everything is looking bright. And I mean, honestly, while I go out, it's banging out there. Like there are yeah. just hordes of people. It's like COVID what? I mean, it's insane. Yeah. Um, so, but with all the things that you have, I mean, Snallygaster is what? You guys started in 2012? Well, correct. Yeah, this is actually our 10th year doing Snally only because we missed 2020 due to right. the pandemic. Yeah. Right. But you did do it last year. Absolutely. Like, you did. So let's just talk about the, the progression of Snally Gaster. Let's give everybody sort of the 411 of what it is mm -hmm. and sort of how it's grown in the 10 years. Totally. So uh, it's 8,000 of our closest friends on mm -hmm. Pennsylvania Avenue. And I just um, want to say for the record, I'm always one of them. Go you ahead. are absolutely um, there bright and early. And um, yeah, so uh, about four years ago, we moved it to Pennsylvania Avenue. So with the Capitol building as a backdrop, it's four city blocks. It's unbelievable. 8,000 people, uh, 175 brewers, 350 plus beers, cider, cocktail, wine, two stages of music with DJs and bands, 20 plus um, food vendors um, from our group, but also some of our best friends around. Um, so it's, it's really a, a big thing for beer, but it's an event. It's a happening. And we've been doing it as Snallygaster since 2012, but really its roots come from Rustico Oktoberfest uh, mm -hmm. in Alexandria, our first beer program, which we started in 2006. We had our first Rustico Oktoberfest in 2008, and we did it in a little parking lot behind Rustico uh, in Alexandria. And that, that probably safely holds about 1500 people. But by 2011, we had like 4,500 people show up. And so, the good people of Alexandria asked us not to do it there any longer. Uh, and at that point we were like, all right, let's move Please don't come back. Please, yeah. please, please don't come yeah. back. And uh, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't right uh, for there anymore. So, but the cool thing was we were right, we were just about to open Blue Jacket um, in 2013. So we moved it to, um, you know, Navy Yard and did it there for the first year and then moved it to a parking lot right by Nat Stadium where it lived for a number of years and then finally got it over to Pennsylvania Avenue uh, in 2018. Right. And with each year, it has grown and grown. But I'd like to dig in a little bit to the curation of beer, because I think if you haven't been to Snallygaster, um, and maybe if they're not familiar with Greg, with you, Greg Angert, then they really don't understand sort of the quality. And it's more about quality than it is about quantity, even though you have a lot, a lot there. Yeah. But you're you're really working with breweries and brewers and people who sort of take the whole beer culture to another level. So 
how do you go about doing that? I'm sure there's lots of people knocking on your door being like, hey man, let me in. So how do you go about growing it every year, keeping it fresh and unique, but also, you know, bringing in the, these breweries that well, are so loved? Yeah, and that, that's a great question because quantity um, and quality oftentimes are at odds with one another. Although I will say, you know, even though we have had, we have had upwards of 400 beers at this festival in the past, I believe in every one of them. So, you know, there are an incredible list of fantastic breweries out there that we work with every year. Obviously, Wheatland Spring and, and Vitamin C are, are two of our favorites. Um, but with 9,000 breweries in the U.S., not to mention the tens of thousands that are available internationally, yeah, we have to curate. We have to be very focused on what we, we believe in. And we do that every day with Church Key, Sovereign, uh, our Belgian beer bar, Shelter, our low ABV beer bar, like with all these places, Owens Ordinary, we are constantly having to make pretty tough decisions about, you know, the breweries with whom we'd like to work. And I think for a long time, I've really been like, I want to work with fewer breweries and, 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 and sell more of their beer. Because I believe that there's an echelon of great craft brewers out there um, mm -hmm. that just do things differently, whether it's the way that they employ ingredients or just their fanatical obsession with the flavor profile time and again and constantly tweaking there's just the, there's a certain cadre of brewers with whom we like to work and and that's what you see here the other thing i would say is that we are not just a local festival or an american festival there are countless international brewers that will be on hand for this uh, making beers that frankly nobody in the u.s can make and vice versa so we we have this balance of geography of abv uh, of style so that you can get a full understanding of the range of craft beer that's available globally in 2022. Well, the one thing that I'm always kind of curious about, because you do bring these really fascinating individuals to the States for this, is that, I mean, not that you want to take over some of these larger beer sort of symposiums, but I feel like there's a miss here with maybe some panel discussions or something like that, because you're bringing all these people together and that doesn't happen a lot. Uh, it's a it's a really good point. And uh, Michael Babin, you know, the founder of, of Neighborhood Restaurant Group and my partner uh, has definitely brought that up many times as well. It, it has felt like there is this opportunity for a kind of like academic, um, or, you know, or just like event driven thing around Snallygaster. And we've played with that in the past. And mm -hmm. honestly, a lot of others have too. Savor, uh, which, you know, is the, the big food and beer experience that's been right. in DC for many years from the Brewers Association out of Denver, Colorado. They used to have incredible seminars throughout their event, but I think over time it just felt like it's it's kind of hard to cram it all into a single day or a single weekend. You don't have, and listen, you don't have to. You don't have to, but but believe me, I can speak. I will speak for Bonnie and John and for Dina when I say that like they would be down. A lot of people would be down, but at the same time, and this is the coolest thing. Last year we had twice as many brewers come to be at Snallygaster than had ever before. Mm -hmm. um, and which was a huge compliment for us. We took that, we were just like really, really uh, humbled by it. Uh, and it was so cool. But I think a lot of the thing that happens with these festivals that people may not realize is that it's an opportunity for brewers to get to know each other, to share information, to bounce ideas off each other, get creative and come out with ideas they wouldn't have had otherwise. And so I think we've kind of moved towards that rather than being like, 
hey, could we do like some kind of panel discussion or something? A lot of really cool, I, I really believe that the beer industry is furthered by big events like this. The people get to get together and have their own symposiums of sorts uh, and come out with ideas they wouldn't have otherwise. Well, I think the networking obviously is amazing. And I think that's a great segue to for me to bring in um, John and Bonnie. But I also really want to sort of say that, you know, I know people who come to this event every year because whether they're at home brewers or they just, you know, they're really, they're like psalms of beer, you know, they just have such a great appreciation and they, they follow these people, you know, they 100%. travel all over the place to go taste some strain of beer that somebody is producing. So there's a, there's so, almost a cult-like following for some of these beers and brewers. And the brewers too. Yeah. And getting to drink Wheatland Spring with John and Bonnie or drink vitamin C with Dino, as somebody who has gotten to do that uh, many, many times, I can tell you, it's just amazing. I mean, at the end of the day, we're trying to build, we're building experience. Um, and at the end of the day, we're building experience. And, you know, to be able to drink beers in the presence of these brewers is really important. Okay, great. Greg, I'm going to come back to you because we're going to give everybody the hard deeds on the festival. And I do want to pick up with a couple of uh, questions at the end. So just hang tight. Uh, Bonnie and John, branding, Wheatland Spring Farm and Brewery. How are you guys? Great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so, I'm so excited to talk to you guys. So tell me how you guys all got into the business. Were you a farm first? <laughs> We uh, we lived in Germany first, so uh, we were there for about five years and um, just kind of lived the farm brewery as a guest experience for quite a while. We were in Bavaria for most of the time mm -hmm. and fell in love with this idea of being able to drive up to the hop yard and experience, you know, the farm setting where you're about to enjoy your beer. And a long time ago, John said to me, you know, what if we did this? one day and I laughed it off and said oh yeah that sounds great you know we'll have a brewery one day and, you know, that, yeah and you know that developed over a decade and we kept coming back to the conversation and John kept you know working on brewing learning more about beer and really developed a passion for it um and I'll have to plug one more time for Vermilion. We used to live in Alexandria and that was our go-to date night spot. So check that out. We can't wait to get back there in the next month. Um, but we were living in Alexandria and we said, you know what, now or never, let's go chase our dream and see if we can make a go of it. So we we started looking at farms. Uh, we never wanted to do a brewery without the farming aspect that was really meaningful to us. And we looked at 70 different farms um, around the area and we landed here. We started farming before our brewing uh, happened and we are four years into farming now, three years into brewing. Wow. Uh, we are Let's on a third- The farming component of it because I don't feel like, and maybe in more deeper beer dive conversations, the, converse, the talk about farming may be bigger, but I don't feel like there's a lot of talk about it um, on my end. So I'd love to know more about the farming side of what you're doing and how it contributes to your finished product. For sure. Yeah. And we, we would probably agree with you. I think the, the connection between agriculture and, and brewing um, is pretty thin in most cases. And I, I feel like uh, for us, this was something that really attracted us when we were living over in Germany is, is the opportunity to connect these two things. You see this all the time with uh, winemaking. 
where you you understand that the grapes grow and they get turned into wine. Mm -hmm. I think in beer, we haven't had that same sort of connection, uh, at least in the U.S. for for the most part. And so actually, if I if I could break in, it's a really sure. valid point. I mean, I I don't feel like there's a lot of there's not a lot of conversation about where the vegetation or agriculture of the beer is from. We do it with coffee. We do it with God. We even do it with water sometimes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that conversation is a. a, a is really apparent in a lot of potables, but not with beer. Yeah, no, we we, we see it the same way. And, and for us, there, there was a bunch of different reasons why why we wanted to do this. But I think in practical terms, as far as making the beer goes, it gives us the opportunity to put exactly what we want into the beer that might not otherwise be available. So this past year, we had in our acreage uh, grain that has never been made into beer before. What, what brand kind of new types? It's it's barley, um, but it's brand new barley that's been studied by Virginia Tech, and we have a great relationship with them. And so we were able to put in acres of this brand new barley, um, and it's malted down in Charlottesville with our craft malt, uh, maltster partner. And we're going to be making beer here pretty soon uh, in the fall. Um, so for us, that's great because it lets us farm uh, regeneratively. So we don't use sprays, nothing like that. Mm. Um and it allows us to keep our CO2 footprint down and also gives us the chance to incorporate more of agricultural character or in the wine world, you say terroir right. into the wine. But this gives us a chance through the water that we get below the ground. We capture yeast out in the field. We use barley that's unique to our growing region. And we're able to do this in a way that is a sincere expression of where we are right now uh, in this time and place. And so for us, we think that's pretty neat. And so we're just still trying to chase that. Well, I, well, clearly it is incredibly different and it's a great story, but obviously the proof is in the pudding and that's your final product. So how many different products do you have on a regular basis? I know you're kind of newer to the scene, but how many do you do and how often do you change them based on what you're growing? For sure. I, I think we, we have a few different lanes. Farmhouse sales, like a Saison is, is, is one lane. Loggers is another lane. We do have hoppy ales as well, um, and then we have strong beers. Um, the way we kind of look at, you know, some of the beers like like lagers, we we will reproduce the same ones again and again, but we we don't look at them as commodities. We look at them as individual products, almost like a, a vintage of wine, mm -hmm. because the grain that we're getting for it came off of one field, harvested at one time. We don't look for blended grain. We look for grain that is unique. And with our farmhouse ales, we actually put the batches on them. And so much like you'd have a vintage of wine, you have batch two, batch three, batch whatever of a certain beer. And it takes us anywhere from six to 18 to 24 months to produce. And they're barrel aged and bottle conditioned. So for us, it's um, we, we kind of stay in these lanes and things we enjoy, um, th things we think are expressive of, of our place. All told, I don't know, we probably have available now, I don't know, 20 maybe yeah there's always about 10 on draft if you come out to the farm and then our bottle list is a dozen plus deep okay and then we've so probably got another so dozen you're always changing you're always changing yeah and so are these how are you other than what's available at the brewery how are you getting it out there is is it large format bottles is it because i feel like I should, it should be on cork, like a wine. So is it a large format bottle or are you doing cans how are you guys getting it to the public 
Yeah, we're doing both and also on draft at uh, great establishments. So we have some of that happening in DC, also in New York City and some other select spots around the country. Um, sometimes that comes via festival or a special events. Um, but a lot of our cans stay in-house. We tend to send the draft and bottles out. Um, so you can find some of those. Some of them are only available on the farm. <laughs> well, that makes sense. So people can come to the farm. I take it you have a full-fledged brewery. You take a tour, do the whole thing, all of that. Yeah, the a tour can be booked. We're, we're open currently Thursday through Sunday. Uh, usual experience, we have food and everything. Um, we also direct ship to customers in Virginia and D.C. and Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay, cool. Do you have a membership program? We sure do. A can club and a bottle club. And we have a lot of fun with those folks. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to know why you would participate in an event like Snally and have you done it before? We did it last year um, and we actually noted it as um, the event that we had the most fun at all year last year. It is really something unique, different. It's really powerful. You can't have that experience of looking at the Capitol while enjoying this massive, high quality, curated, you know, just the way that it is run. It's just really a huge undertaking. And, a whole lot of fun. We and do you all like agree with Greg about sort of the networking? Are there are there brewers that you're like, oh, I can't wait to talk to blah, 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 and you know, see what they're doing and how they're handling something? Because with the pandemic, while it feels like we're on the upside of it, you know, there's still um, supply shortages, things of that nature. So um, do you work with other breweries or chat with other people and be like, hey, what are you doing? For sure, yeah, I, think I, can't, I can't find the uh, the incredible work that Greg and his crew do there because it's we were absolutely gobsmacked when we rolled up. There's so many people, but it's run so well. It's incredible, and so as as participants in this, for us, not having to worry about a lot of these things and just focus on engaging with the folks who are there to to have the beer or other brewers or things like this was amazing. Um, and so it's run incredibly well. Uh, can't say enough about the curated list of folks that who are there. Um, it's just, I think, I think the brewers have a lot of fun and I think that's evidence in how they engage with the, the guests who are there. And then the guests have a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of um, great interactions, and a lot of positive energy. There's, I, I could not agree with you more. It feels festive and it is incredibly well run. Um, they have rosé there for me every year, which is okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I just think the opportunity, I, I love where people get to sort of see uh, brewers and breweries or taste a beer that they've been dying to taste. I just, you know, and then there's all the great food, um, but it is incredibly run because obviously there are festivals that are complete and total shit shows and um, you hear about them all the time. So um, it's it's a real feather in the neighborhood restaurant groups cap to add that to all the other things that they do because they're not they're not festival people like that's I mean, they are now because they've been doing it for 10 years, but this is they don't do festivals everywhere, at least not that we know of yet. Right, Craig. Um, <laughs> OK, Bonnie and John, I know you guys are going to have to cut out early. So do you guys would you please tell us where you're located and where we can find you online and on Instagram, please. 
Oh, absolutely. So wheatlandspring.com or at wheatlandspring on any of your socials. Uh, we are only an hour outside of DC. So we are Northwest of you in Waterford, Virginia. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, check out also the Waterford Fair in our area. It's not to be missed. It's lovely, um, really charming farmland out here. So yeah, come see us. Farmer's Market every Saturday. That's right. And on our farm, Farmer's Market every day, every Saturday. <laughs> okay, great. All right. Well, thank you both for joining me today. And I can't wait to see you at Snallygaster on October 8th. Thanks so much. All right. Dino. Turn Hi there. Hi there. How are you? Dino I'm terrific. Farming. Vitamin C, S-E-A Brewing. You are, you're a funny guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm only wondering where this could have come from. Well, vitamin I, C, only, vitamin C, yeah, come on. Yeah, there's only one culprit there, I think, that's uh, on this, uh, this call, so. Okay. Well, it's definitely not me. I am not uh -huh. my husband that. Um, so tell me how you got into the brewing biz. Uh, so I'm like many others or was a, was a home brewer. Um, I started home brewing back in uh, 1991 and, um, kind of put it down for a little bit, um, was making awful beer back then and, um, got into home winemaking and did that for about, uh, 25 years. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, and that, that really, uh, I think I learned a lot of the discipline that I needed for, for brewing um, by doing that. So, uh, and then probably about 10 or 11 years ago, picked it back up, picked up brewing again, home brewing, and uh, got together with some friends and would, would do this every weekend. And then it just the beer was a little bit better than what it was before and uh, started to, uh, to get it out there and, and made a business plan. And, and here we are. But what was it? I'm fascinated by people who homebrew or like you're making wine at home. I mean, what was it about this DIY that was so important to you? What was it the process that you loved doing? Was it the camaraderie or was it the finished product, like making a product that was good to you? Yeah. So, so I think it's a little bit of all, all of those things, but I, I think being, and I consider myself to be a, a craftsperson or an artisan, I think, creating something, making something and seeing the expression on someone's face when they've enjoyed it. I mean, there's, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, and that, that I, I feel like is the most fulfilling aspect of what we all do. And whether you're, you're a chef or anybody, right? No, right. Like anybody, yeah. if any kind of product that you produce, seeing the mm -hmm. joy that it brings other people makes you feel good, of course. Sure. But you're up in, you're, are you, you're in Massachusetts, right? Yeah, we're about 30 minutes south of Boston uh, on the way to Cape Cod. Okay, so what's the craft beer scene like up there? And how does vitamin C fit into that? Boy, um, so we have a very uh, robust craft beer scene. Uh, there's probably about 135 or so breweries uh, in Massachusetts at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, just on this stretch of highway where we are, there's probably 12 or 13 um, and we have some of the, the, the top breweries are around here. So it's, uh, it's tough to fit in. Um, but it's, 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 like I said, it's, it's also, um, very collaborative. So, um, you kind of have to really take it serious and, and really care about the quality of your product because there is so much competition. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you can get anybody to come to your chapter once, but to get them to come back, you, you have to have a good product.
and and good experience. Well, that goes, I mean, obviously that goes without saying, um, or, you know, I don't know, sometimes some places are able to pull it because they're like only one near, like there's a tap room op opening near me and it's, it's going to be an event space. And there's, and I was like, well, tell me about the beer. And they were like, yada, 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 the beer. And then, you know, it's like, but we're going to bands and we're going to do this and they'll kill it because they'll be the only people around here doing it. But like the beer is not the focal point. Do you know what I mean? Uh I, I had someone come up to me about a year ago saying that they were going to open a brewery. And I said, that's great. Well, who's going to brew knowing that this person wasn't a brewer? And they said, well, I don't know. That doesn't really matter. And I said, that's all that matters. Right. Like, of course. That's the most important thing, right? That's paramount. Well, not to these people either. But so let's talk about the kinds of beers that you are brewing now and mm -hmm. how that sort of change changes seasonally and I'm, I'm sort of curious as we talked with Bonnie and John about sort of the terroir of where they are and the products that they use, sort of what is it about um, South Shore that sort of creates your beers? Yeah, I, I have to be honest with you. I'm a little jealous of, of what Wheatland's doing. It, they, they make what I want to drink and-, and It's kind of what cool, I, right? Yeah, and what I can't make, so uh, <laughs> as truth be told. So uh, we're a little bit different, um, although we, we do, kind of branch out and, and, and try to create different different styles. But uh, we're, we're obviously known for our IPAs. That's kind of what we hung our hat on um, back at the beginning. And I think when we we got into this, that was the, the, the haze craze was going on. And um, and so we were we we're very well known for that. Um, but we've <laughs> since brand, branched out and we do a lot of other styles, uh, whether they're lagers or stouts or uh, I, I enjoy you know, doing some English style beers. So uh, we do those. Um, I've also spent some time in Germany, not for beer, but uh, so I, I do enjoy, uh, you know, this time of year and, and getting to put out some some more traditional uh, beers as well. So what what will some of those traditional beers look like? And will they be coming to Snallygaster? Uh <laughs> Uh, probably not, uh, only because again, we're 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 going to go to Snallygaster, and and the, the the people that come to Snallygaster, uh, they're there for our IPAs. Um, okay. That's really what they want. So, uh, as as much as I'd love to bring an ESB or a dark mild, um, not sure that uh, that those would be a big hit uh, with with our crowd down there. We're, we're pretty lucky, uh, the DC Virginia area. Uh, we have a, a pretty large fan base down there. Um, we've been sending beer down there for a while, and uh, and they've they've supported us uh, greatly. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, for for this time of year, um, you know, Marzins and Fest beers and you know, Dortmunders, what whatever. I mean, wh whatever whatever we can kind of get our hands on, then we say, boy, we haven't had one of these in a while. Let's make one. Uh, half of Eisen's. Uh, so a little bit of everything. But you're a believer and give the people what they want, right? So, yeah, I, I often I often hear brewers that that kind of just want to buck the system and say, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to make that, you know. And it's like, well, you know, at the end of the day, we have to pay the bills, and and uh, I want to keep the lights on, so we're going to give them give the people what they want, absolutely. And, and we're, we're lucky. We're we're, we're lucky. Still because what you want, right? You could still make this other beer, and they can hope. And if they trust you, which is a huge part of the business. If they trust you, they'll try something new. Exactly. I mean, we're pretty fortunate that um, we have two brewing systems. We have a smaller pilot system, which allows us to put, uh, you know, different 
uh, different beers on that in our tap room that we might not necessarily be able to commit to, uh, you know, 300, 400 cases of, of a specific beer. So uh, it gives, you know, the people that come in, it gives them a chance to try those things and get to enjoy them. And then, uh, then the other folks that just want, you know, a certain style, then, then they can take them to go. Well, that makes all the sense in the world. Mm -hmm. So is this your first time coming to Snally? No, this is my third, uh, third time, actually. It feels like dog years, though, I have to tell you. Um, but when the, when the Greg father taps you on the shoulder, you, you, you <laughs> gladly accept and, uh, and you come. So is there um, a brewery other than yours that you're looking forward? Like, is there a brewer that you're like, yeah, man, I want to talk to him or her? And there's somebody out there that you're looking forward to seeing? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I've kind of uh, been given the name of Uncle Dino in the industry. So I feel like the majority of the breweries that we see down there, we've, we've probably collaborated with most of them. So for us, um, and it goes back to your earlier point, it's such a great time to get everyone together to be able to just get caught up and say, hey, how are you doing things now? And what are you working on? And what's what's been working in your tap room? Or what, how has distribution been working for you? And all these different things. Um, because, and I say, quote unquote, post COVID, uh, because we are still dealing with it. Um, you know, the, the consumers change the, the buying habits, the drinking habits. Um, you know, it's a completely new arena now. And we're still trying to figure out what everyone wants. There's no real patterns there. They, from week to week, it changes. And uh, we're trying to figure out, you know, how to be as dynamic as we can without selling our souls, really. Sure. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Which, but I love your uh, collaboration bullet point. So just quickly, give me your where we find you online and mm -hmm. on Instagram. And then I'm going to get to Greg because collaborations are something that happens at Snallygaster. And I sort of love that. Um, so tell me, Dina, where can we find you? So uh, certainly our website is uh, www.vitaminc, like the ocean, brewing.com. Mm -hmm. I have to specify that. Yes, and uh, Instagram is probably the next best, and that's at vitamin C brewing. Excellent. Thanks, Dino. So, mm -hmm. Greg, in years past of Snallygaster, some huge collabs have come out of that. Are you, are anything that you want to share about this year? Are there some collabs coming that we should know about or that you know of? Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, it, it seems that there are definitely collabs that come out every year of Snallygaster. Um, time kind of tells with that. And also it, it, it evolves organically. The festival starts early, it goes late. So, you know, a lot of these ideas happen uh, in the evening. So it's always fun to see what happens there. Dino and I have been really close friends for a number of years, and I've been remiss in uh, getting a collaboration beer together with him. So uh, vitamin C and Blue Jacket are definitely going to be putting something together um, <laughs> shortly after um, Snally Gaster this year. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's amazing. And, and we, I mean, I'm, I mean, Wheatland Spring and vitamin C, it's just so cool that, to have them both on. Thank you guys so much for, for, for doing this, for doing Snally Gaster. And you can see how different the industry is. But the point is that it's all high level. If you taste an IPA from vitamin C, a mixed fermentation beer from Wheatland Spring, you just, you kind of taste it and you go, oh, like there's something happening here. You know what I mean? Fireworks start to go off. And I think that that's what we're doing at Sally Gaster is bringing in brewers from all over, the, all over the place that do totally different things, but all at a level that's appreciated by 
not just the guests, but also the viewers themselves. Well, and I think that's really important because you're playing to both audiences, right? Okay. I mean, if you want the best brewers to come every year, there has to be a reason for it, not just because they get to showcase their beer to a great audience. I mean, there's lots of beer festivals. So exactly. how do you how do you make yourself, how do you elevate yourself within that? I, they, want, yeah. I want to just take a step back for a second before we wrap up here. But the last year in the DC market, I mean, we're seeing a lot of changes in craft breweries. Um, you know, three star closed down and others are changing hands and there just seems to be a lot happening. Is that, in your opinion, pandemic based or is it just not everything lasts forever? I mean, what's what do you think about what's happening locally and nationally with, you know, the beer boom, so to speak? That's a great question that a lot of people are asking. I, I, I would say that um, the first thing we need to remember is that it's it's tough times for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people are, are, are hitching their wagon to, um, to craft beer because we are seeing some closures there. And, and certainly um, hard seltzer, although that's a bit in decline now, but RTD cocktails um, are certainly, at least in the retail portion of the beer market, taking a lot of share. And so it's easy to look at that and go like, oh no, like what's gonna happen to craft brewers? Uh, meanwhile, even though some craft brewers are closing, more opening every single day. So it's still something going on here. Um, I think that, you know, again, like I related to restaurants. I mean, as you and I both know, some beloved restaurants that we both are going to miss terribly are closing. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it has to do with business decisions, leases. Yeah. You know, it's, just a lot of, it's just happening. So I think I think I'd chalk it up to that with beer. Um, and I do, again, I think that there's always room for the best. Um, and that I would also say that there are too many breweries. Um, there are probably too many wineries. There are definitely too many restaurants. And so at the end of the day, the hope is that the, the, the greatest ones survive. Those that create the memorable experiences are going to probably stick around. Um, and others will, will, you know, probably fall by the wayside. And that might not be the worst thing all the time. No, I don't disagree with your assessment. I think there's, first of all, I think there's always a pendulum swing, you know, like, like when you bring up those seltzers, you know, I mean, you could see a trend a mile away, you know, like when everybody gets into it, then, you know, then what's left at the end of the day is those who are really doing good products, right? right. Exactly. Now with the cocktails and can kind of thing. I mean, like every, I get, I get a thousand press releases every day about it. Again, huge expansion, the exactly. pendulum will swing back to the middle when the good products will, will be there. They won't take over the market, but yeah. you know, there'll be well, an I, do, I will say though, that we do have to, we have to, figure out a way to deal with the fact that the world has changed. Mm -hmm. Like late night bar business is not there the way it was before the pandemic. People yeah. just don't go out after 10 PM as much as they used to. Um, delivery and takeout has put a dent in people's restaurant going. We know that for a fact. So, and well, also, and I'm also going to add, honestly, yeah. Greg, I mean, listen, clearly I've been out, but yeah. everything is 40% more from yeah. my iced tea at a Starbucks or whatever the cost, the additional cost is 40% more. And, um, you know, I think people are being more judicious when they go out exactly, um, yeah. because they know of that increased cost. Um, so yeah. I think, you know, it's going to be interesting and hopefully I don't know how that comes down, but there's, listen, in the industry, and this goes for breweries, wineries, whatever, you know, restaurants, all of it. To me, at the end of the day, it all goes back to what you're paying for the real estate. 
I mean, whatever you're paying uh, exactly. directly is always the problem. So until there is a real solid conversation, which I unfortunately don't have any ability to be a part of, you know, in any sort of real way, until that is handled, I don't think I don't think we see any great changes. I agree, hundred percent. Okay, let's get into something positive. <laughs> get back to Snally. Okay, so how many breweries? Give me the takedown. How many breweries ish do we think are coming? 176 breweries at this point are coming to Snally Gastro. That's a lot of breweries. It and is. then, um, and then you also have wine. Mm -hmm. And how does how is that being showcased? So um, Aaron Dudley, who is our wine director for Neighborhood Restaurant Group, she works with a lot of like local wineries, but also um, local partners and friends to showcase a bunch of really excellent rosé, as you said, but just great um, sustainable wines, um, natural from time to time. It's just a wide array. It's going to be fantastic. Nick Farrell, who's um, NRG's spirits director, um, cooks up a bunch of kegged cocktails, for better or worse. Some years I'm not sure that we should do this, but we, we do. We press on. Come on, um, Nick does great work. Don't take it away from Nick. Oh, he does. I know. It's just sometimes the brewers hit up those stands before we opened last year oh, pretty heavily. So we might have to do something about that. Oh, <laughs> um, but that's great. And, you know, and so and that's how that works out. And we're trying to fold in some great local distillers as well um, this year. Uh, but I do want to give a shout out to to Tim Liu, who's the beer director for Neighborhood Restaurant Group. Um, <laughs> he is he really is the guy who's running the beer ops here. And to, you know, John's point earlier, the organization that we have going is just like, it, it, it's a sight to behold. It's really fun. It makes everything a pleasant day of just to see how smooth everything goes. So um, it's amazing. Well, as a festival goer, it always, you know, it is, I think somebody else used the word gobsmacking. I mean, it is gobsmacking how you all put it together because since it is not your only profession, it is just one of many. The fact that it is ex executed with uh, such care is a real talent. Um, I'm just gonna give everybody the details. It is Saturday, October 8th. Mm -hmm. It's on Pennsylvania Avenue between 3rd and 6th Streets. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've got two different ticket prices you have a vip and a general what's the difference so vip has sold out already um, okay. which is lose, you lose. <laughs> but we have kraken passes still available um and those are entry from 2 to 6 p.m on limited tastes of all the beers wines cocktails ciders um it's 65 dollars and uh, i the thing I've, I've forgotten to mention which is terrible is that all of this is done and to benefit ArcadiaFood.org, mm -hmm. um, our nonprofit that uh, we began back in 2011, uh, a fantastic organization for sustainable food and agriculture around the region. Um, and this is its biggest fundraiser uh, annually. And it's an amazing organization. My son years ago was an intern for them and uh, helped them do their thing. He was out there in the fields helping it's out. So. Um, Greatly appreciate all the work that they do. Greg, tell everybody where they can find Snally Gaster online and uh, on Instagram and et cetera, please. Very easy. It's SnallyGasterDC.com, SnallyGasterDC for Insta and Facebook. And um, we look forward to seeing everybody on, December, on October 8th, uh, which is always some of the best weather, knock on wood. Yeah, um, knock, on that, knock on some wood before you say that again. Knock on wood real hard. Uh, great. Well, listen, I want to thank all of you for joining me today, and I can't wait to see you all on October 8th at Snallygaster. 
So if you haven't been to Snallygaster Festival before, I think I've given you ample reason to go. Because even if you're not like beer crazy, uh, because I'm not beer crazy, my husband David loves beer and this festival speaks to him on multiple levels, but there's so much else there. First of all, you get to try a lot of different beers and a lot of different styles so you can completely educate your palate. There are great wines, there is incredible cocktails and amazing food. So it's really a terrific way to spend an October day. Uh, so I wanna thank you all for joining me today on Industry Night with Nikki Nellis on Real Fun DC. Uh, I am taking another little break. I am going out of town. I will be in Sardinia for two weeks. You definitely wanna follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S because I will be posting pictures of all my fun food and travels. Uh, definitely go to the listareyouwantit.com while I'm gone. Every day there's so much fabulous things happening and my team works so hard to keep you in the know, whether it's restaurants opening, whether or not they're coming soon, every event that's happening and the latest promotions happening in and around the DC area, it is all there for you. Again, the listareyouwantit.com. So I wanna thank my amazing guests for joining me today. It's uh, shows like this that really elevate my vibration. Uh, they're doing amazing things and it's such a, a great to be able to talk with them. So I appreciate them and I appreciate you for tuning in. Be safe out there and have a delicious week. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis, Real Fun DC.